Okay, so we are going to do something in a few weeks, and we wanted to prep you guys on it ahead of time. So we're going to be packing food here, out there, and around the corner. Um, it's still summer, so everybody's traveling, so we're going to have to make sure we remind everybody, and you can invite friends to come. Even though we're replanting the church, you can still invite people to come, and especially for this meal packing. But we want you to know where this goes. Like, if you've ever done a food packing, sometimes you just pack the food, and you're like, hey, it's going somewhere. So uh, we want to show you this video, and then we have something for you to do to prep for it. So here's the video. Do you know that one in seven kids around the world don't know where their next meal will come from? When a child is hungry, it is difficult to learn, to play, to grow. It can feel utterly hopeless. To a starving child, hope starts with food. That's where you come in. By packing meals through the One Meal program, you change that reality for countless kids all over the world. Kids you may never even know, but whose lives will be impacted because you serve. The meals you pack are shipped to partners in orphanages, schools, churches, and feeding centers across the globe where they are prepared and served every day, providing food security to kids with no other sure source of daily nutrition. Children in one meal feeding centers know they will receive a warm serving of food every day they come. They know it's a place where they will be cared for and loved. A place where they begin to experience hope. The meals you pack through one meal will bless children in countless ways. I grew up eating one meal and I want to thank you for delivering hope to kids around the world. Thank you. Gracias, one meal. Gracias for darnos la comida, one meal. Y muchísimas gracias. Besos para todos. So who here has done the food packing before, of any sort, any kind? Okay, who here has actually eaten the food that you've packed before? All right, so um, Todd and Rich, can you help me? The box is just outside around the corner. So the way this works is each packet can feed, I mean, this is what it says on the bag, they want you to, when a family gets it, it can feed between four and six people. So if you have a family of less than six people, take one bag. And what we want you to do 
is to understand, like, you know, you see this video, you see kids going, yay, we're happy. But if you've ever been in these countries, and many of you have, you've come with us, you've come with someone else, and you've gone to places where there's not enough food, they're not smiling. Think about when you're hungry and someone asks you to work. Think about when you're in some kind of pain and someone gets on your nerves. Imagine being in that situation all the time because you're always hungry. And so what we will be doing is actually packing these bags. So some other group packed these bags. So all the ingredients that are in there, they're, they're going to be scattered in different places. Kids, everybody can do this. If you can take a scoop and pour it in, boom, you're qualified. So we're going to have it all through here. We'll have other people doing different projects as well. Um, but we're doing this all together. But to, to help us to understand what we're doing, we want you to take out at least one meal this week where you say, this is what we're going to do, and start praying not only for what we're going to do, but more importantly, for where the food's going to go. Because that's what this is all about, right? Okay. Um, before I start the message, quick question. When you are uh, waking up in the morning, is there another time of the day other than the morning where you are as smart or as creative? Is it just me? Or is it when I wake up, that's when I'm like the smartest? Is it that way for you, Richard? No. I don't know. I, <laughs> no, I'm talking pre-coffee. I'm talking like right when you're in bed. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, and you're kind of awake and you're kind of asleep and you're still in that mid thing and then you wake up, you know you're awake, but you're still, and all of a sudden you see things differently. So quite often on a Sunday morning, that happens to me. And I'm like, oh, now I got to change the entire sermon because I should do it this way. And if I, and so, so half of the sermon is next week and half of it is this week. So we'll see where it goes. This happens all the time. For some of you are like, why do you keep telling us this all the time? Because someone here might not have heard the story. And I want to tell them because it's cool. So um, what I want to do first is um, prep us by where we're headed. We're going through the series, love God, love people. But we're really going to focus on what does it mean, though? It's one thing to say that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And we assume we know, but I want us to really dive into this. And so when we talk about love, one of the ways you can look at it is the way my friend described it. He was a, at this time, I think he grew up in a Christian home, but you can grow up in a Christian home and have no idea what it is to follow Jesus. You know what I mean? You don't have that relationship. You haven't been transformed because you don't know of his love. And so this friend of mine got to that point and he said one of the most brilliant things which means you don't have to go to seminary to teach people, by the way. And he just said, you know what? If you never said a word, would people know you're a follower of Jesus? So let that sink in. If you never said a word, would people know you are a follower of Jesus? So I'm not talking about whether you carry a Bible or whether someone saw you coming into church or coming back from church or if you have the bumper stickers or if you come back with a one meal pack, or whatever. I mean, just by the way you interact, would they know that you were following Jesus? Now, this, what, when he said it, it wasn't meant to be this guilty thing, like, would people know? Because, you know, it's all how you say it, right? That's why it's so dangerous when you text. What do they mean by that? 
when he said this, and the way I'm trying to say it is, this is not done flawlessly, but do people know there's an intent and an, a, a, an effort from us to love God and to love people? Because that is what we're talking about. We're not talking about what you know, right? We so often think, well, are they a Christian? Do they believe the right things? You can tell if someone knows God's love by the way they're attempting to love others. And so that's what we're looking at. Jesus said, they will know, they meaning anyone outside, will know you are mine, know you are following me by your love. Not by what we say, not by where we go, but by our love. And it could be by where we go and what we say, but we really need to get back to what does that mean. So, but I do want to forewarn you, because when we talk about loving, we're like, well, that's going to be great, because that'll also have a side benefit. If I'm loving and caring other people, I'm going to be really well-liked. Have you ever thought that before? I thought that. I thought, you know, if you really are loving people, then you're probably going to be pretty popular. Because, like, who doesn't want to be loved? But I'm forewarning you, and this is what we're going to dive into. When you love, you will be persecuted. Um, and I want you to know what will come if we live this way. Because we're talking about loving God, loving people. We're talking about planting the church. And if we're planting the church, what's going to define us, this is what needs to define us. And it doesn't mean everybody's going, oh, my gosh, that church is so awesome. You should go there. It will be controversial. When you love like Jesus does, it's disruptive. Um, so in recent years, especially the past few years, the church and Christians, we've been criticized relentlessly. Um, as some people have said, the brand has taken a hit. But it's not because, oh, look how well they love. It's usually because of people talking and thoughts and beliefs and you think this and you think that and then it's just it's divisive now divisive is not always bad but we're talking about love here um, and so jesus says that the greatest commandment is to love god and to love people and it sounds good but as we do this as we do what jesus said he said i didn't come for the healthy but i came for the sick and you know why he had to say that because if he's loving a group of people that other people were like, why are you loving them? You shouldn't be loving them. And he's like, I came for the healthy. I came for the sick, not for the healthy. And the people he was talking to, they were sick. But they thought themselves as healthy. We're all sick. So that's where we're headed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that down a little bit more. Um, but I want to make it very real. And this is what happened to me this morning. It never crossed my mind. I thought, oof. Because as I thought what I was going to teach, I thought I had a handle on it, right? Like, it, it's a good idea if you're going to teach something that you have a handle on it, but I don't. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach about a time with Jesus when the Pharisees and the leaders and the experts in the law brought an adulterous woman before him. And when we look at this passage, we, we see what we want to see. In many situations, we've talked about this, confirmation bias. You hear what you want to hear. You see what you want to see. But I want to, I want to make this very real. Because we talk about this adulterous woman. You have a picture in your mind, if you've ever seen the scripture before, 
you've ever heard this story, or if you just heard me say, Jesus spoke to an adulterous woman, you have an idea how this is going to go. And you have an idea how she is. And I don't know all about this woman. But I do know of an adulterous woman. And this morning when I woke up, I went, ooh, that's going to bring up some pain for me. But before we go into this passage, I want to tell you a story of one of my best friends, I mean a brother, and walking with him during this adultery. And so what had happened was, is he um, went away actually on a trip with us. We go away every year uh, somewhere, just us guys that went to college together, and we go to encourage each other and build each other up. And on one of these trips, he came back and found out, doesn't matter how the details came about, but he found out that his wife was sleeping with another teacher from her school in their home with their kids there. And then this kept going on and to the point where it just kept happening over and over again. So a couple years later, they're still together. He's still trying to fight and work through this thing. And the rest of us guys, I mean, this is our brother, right? And like, she's the outsider. So we are immediately on his side and against her. And so we're just not, I'm not having it, especially me. I'm like, <sighs> so we are uh, at this particular place where he lives. And so we go out to try to find some place to eat. And he's, he's just, I mean, he's broken. He's a broken man. And he gets this text and she says, oh, she's around the corner. I'm like, what? So we go over there because for some reason he feels this necessity to go over. And, and we walk in and there's a guy there with her. And I know who this guy is because this guy likes her. They grew up together. He's always liked her. And they're sitting in there. And then we walk in. And when we walk in, it's like nothing happened. And so we walk in and, and oh, hi, hi. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can't handle that. I had to walk out because I was about to freak out because this woman is breaking my best friend's heart. He's right there staring in the eyes of the guy who's sleeping with his wife, one of the guys. And I'm so frustrated. I'm so angry. And yet my brother who's going through all this is still doing his best to try to care for her. And I'm like, what are you? doing, man. Now, I want to stop there because I want us to now look at this passage. Because when we look at this passage, I look at it completely different now. Because I feel what the other people there were feeling. So, bear with me. I know you think you know maybe where we're going, but I didn't know where I was going this morning. So the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they brought in a woman caught in adultery. So when I look at this now, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they brought in a woman. That was me. I mean, technically, I am a teacher of the law, not the Torah. But, and I had passed judgment. I'm like, it's on. Like, I had to walk out and I said, I'm telling you, man, if that ever happens again, I'm just cutting loose. I can't sit there and watch this injustice happen and not say anything. Now, these men in this passage are doing this to trick Jesus. They don't care about her. They don't care about this adulterous woman. 
but they know right and wrong, and they've made the decision, and they want to see if Jesus agrees with them. Because if he, they doesn't, well, then we got to take care of this, right? And so they bring um, the woman to him, and they say, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? So Jesus bends down, and he starts writing in the ground, and everyone's like, oh, what did he write? What did he write? And uh, then he stands up. And when he stands up, he says something. Remember, they asked, what do you say? When I was in that situation, you know what I didn't do? I didn't say, Jesus, what do you say? Now, they were not coming, really coming as students before Jesus. They were coming thinking they were on equal ground trying to figure out how to lower him. But in this situation, I did not ask that question, Jesus, what do you say? You have those people in your life, right? At one point or another, we all put ourselves in the place of a teacher or an expert in the law. We know how this should go. We know how this person should be treated. We know how this should be. That's the first problem. This cannot, as followers of Jesus, we are not in charge. We do not know everything. God's made it easy for us. Well, what do we do? What's the greatest thing we should be doing? Love God and love people. But what about these situations? Shouldn't we step in and shouldn't we do this and shouldn't we do that? Why don't you love God and love people? Yeah, but I mean, look, look what she did. And so Jesus responds this way. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? You see, because what he had done, and this is what we need to ask ourselves, Jesus said to all those scribes and all those teachers, when he stood up, he said, have any of you not sinned? Because if you haven't, then you can take that stone that's in your hand right now, because they all picked up stones to stone her. They were just waiting for him to agree. And he said, if none of you have ever sinned, then yeah, go ahead, fire away. Throw your best fastball. And it said, and I think this is very appropriate, it said, they started walking out one by one, but it started with the oldest people first. Because the oldest people know they're the dumbest. Every year that passes, I discover I'm dumber and dumber, and I'm less and less of an expert. But when we're young, however you define young, I know how things should be. I still think that, so I'm probably still young. I'm thinking it's the 80-year-olds and the 90-year-olds going, yep, I did it again. I'm an idiot, and they walked out first. Now, I wonder who the last person was there, just waiting to go, probably just walked out, not because they thought, I'm wrong, but everyone else left. I don't want to be here by myself. So Jesus strains up, and as they've all walked out, he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And her response was, no one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus went to the cross for a lot of reasons. One, because he claimed to be the Son of God, because he said he was the Messiah. But also, because of stuff like this, because he loved 
so radically that people couldn't handle it because we all think there are certain people that just don't deserve it. We put ourselves in the place of being experts of the law and we make these decisions and we make these calls. And I, this morning, realized I still have had myself in the place of being an expert in the law with this woman who broke my brother's heart. She was no longer a human being to me. She was an enemy that hurt me by hurting my friend. When we talk about loving people, we don't just talk about packing meals and doing the nice sterile stuff. We talk about stepping back and loving people that are outside of our comfort zones. It's disruptive to us. Forget about other people. It's hard for us to love. Now, there's a whole long list, and I'm not going to get into the list because I want us to wrestle with it on our own. Through this whole series, as we prepare, there will be people that we're called to invite to join us that you've already condemned. And that's hard. This whole idea of loving God and loving people is not easy. We have all of our, yeah, but... I mean, I can see myself in this situation, right, especially when it happened, and Jesus saying, hey, if none of you have sinned, then cast the first stone. And then he, if I were to like sit in the back and hear him say, has no one condemned you? Then just go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. I'd be like, are you serious, Jesus? Do you know what she did? I'd still have the stone in my hand, probably thinking about throwing it at Jesus. Because I'm like, why are you not doing something about this? This is wrong. Because he could see her. And as the years have gone, as, we, as a group, as we've wrestled, I've seen that this adulterer is a girl. I know more about where she grew up. I know more about what she had to deal with. I know that her dad abandoned her. I know that her mom lived this life. I know that she got married when she was young because she didn't know where to go. And I know that when they had kids, she felt like a failure as a mom and she just cracked. And I know my brother's not perfect either. And broken people break things. So in the context of what I just shared, and we see... Jesus just letting her walk away just like that. We need to understand this is what he's calling us to. This is what it looks like to love people. It's what we do. But even though we say we're going to do this and we're going to be persecuted from those outside of branches, we need to understand we're also going to be persecuted inside the community of faith. Um, several years ago, there was someone here at Branches that was um, going out of their way to love people that hadn't earned it, that were on the outside, similar to someone that had committed adultery. And someone else had come to me and said, are you not going to fix this? This is someone from Branches that said, this is not right. This person shouldn't be leading. They shouldn't be doing anything anyway. Like, are, you, is, are, we, are we promoting this? Are we condoning this? 
And I was confused at that point because I knew this person that was confronting me. I'm like, she's loving her. She's loving them. But this other person that's very dear to me sees in black and white and consider themselves an expert in the law. So they couldn't handle it, and they left branches. I'm still close with them, but they left branches. That was from within. That's going to happen. But we need to know, you need to know what you're getting yourself into, okay? You need to know what branches is about. We want everyone that's on the outside that when they come, they know what we're about. Doesn't mean we walk around, you know, signs trying to, you know, shake it all up. It could be public, it could be in secret, whatever, but it's loving people. That's what we do. And more and more, we want to get to that point where we realize, oh yeah, I should probably drop this rock. Oh, that's right. That's not my job. That's God's job, not mine. He's given me a role, one that fits my qualifications. But the other thing that's going to happen here and it's happened plenty of times here at Branches, is that you will throw stones at yourself. Because when you love like this, it's not just people outside the church or inside the church that will persecute you, it'll be yourself. You'll be like, am I condoning this by doing this? Am I being not strong? Am I being weak? Like, should I not make a strong stand? I don't want, I mean, what should I do here? You love but you're going to struggle with that. In fact, you may not even feel like doing it. We're not assuming like you feel like loving people outside of your comfort zone. Nobody said it was going to feel natural, but it's right. And I've had to deal with this time and time and time again in my own life. I'm like, oh, they're here, but they're saying this. What do I do? Love God, love people. That's not weak. That's strong. And it's keeping focused because we're not experts. I'm a pastor. I've gone to seminary. I've read all the books. You get, a, you get a room full of all the experts, and they fight the whole time. So obviously, they don't know what they're doing. But Jesus does. Love God, and we love people. And this is going to be hard. So I want to forewarn us so that we can be prepared. Prepared not just for people outside or inside, but especially for yourself. Like, should Love people. But what if, am I condoning? Love people. But should I, what about righteousness and truth? Not your job. Love people. Tell me anywhere in scripture where it tells us you're the ones that are supposed to keep righteousness in this world. It's not our job. We stink at it. If he gave us the job, we'd mess it up which is what we do all the time when we try to take that role. So we're going to un keep unpacking this, and next week we're going to look at the second half. Can you imagine how long this message would have been? Of what does it look like then to love your enemies? Father, we surrender to you. This is hard. This hurt my head. It hurt my heart. Um, but we surrender to you and ask that you transform us as a community of faith, that you transform us as individuals. Let us see you. And Father, we love you by loving people, but we are going to need you to clear our eyes out. We ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen. So these next couple songs we're going to focus on um, how the Lord's loved us all the way to the point of death and that how that love should be an inspiration for us to love others. And uh, here we go. I see your face in every sunrise The colors of the morning are inside your eyes The world awakens in the light of day I look up to the sky and I say You're beautiful
So I want to make sure that we don't forget about the woman. So Jesus says, did nobody condemn you? And No. Then neither do I. The truth is, if you put the word adultery and then erase it and just put a line underneath and you fill it, whatever, this group, any group, is going to be filled with a bunch of adulterers, thieves, whatever you want to fill into that blank. That's us. And that is okay that we're a mess. That woman didn't go, woohoo, look what I get to do now. No. It's all written in our heart what's right and what's wrong. The Lord's put it there. We don't always need to open up the Bible and go, wait, I'm, I'm confused about this one. Am I allowed to punch someone in the face? Is that a good thing? Like you just kind of know that there's something that's not good about that, right? But what we so often lose sight of, which is what I think the woman had a hard time dealing with, as well as everyone else, is like, that's it? Like you forgive me? Don't I need to earn it? Isn't there something else I need to do? I love when Tyler chose that song and said, this shows God's love for us so that we're set free to love others. And so probably it needs to start today with you knowing that you're not condemned. Jesus, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to set them free. So we need to know that for us first. Otherwise, it's really hard to extend it to anybody else. And I think that that woman walked away going, wait, what just happened? I don't think she went away dancing. Because grace, it silences everything. Father, help us. Help us to know your love for us. Because it just seems so hard to believe that we're worthy of that love. We've said things, we've done things, we've thought things. Lord, help us to really hold on to that truth. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. May your spirit transform our minds. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.